0: For this podcast, we're stepping out of the monthly schedule to bring you something extra and different. There are two parts to this conversation with Nick Butter. The second part is about setting a new record for running around the coast of Great Britain. The first is about a new worldwide charity he's establishing that is so different, I genuinely think you'll be interested in hearing more. I know I was. In podcast 38, I spoke to Nick, who at the time was in his camper van in Italy, in that country's second lockdown. Nick was trying to run the length of Italy, 100 marathons in 100 days. We talked about how he got into running, how he managed to recover while running a marathon every day. But the main part of our conversation was about his expedition to run a marathon in every country of the world as recognised by the United Nations. That expedition took two years and Nick visited 196 countries, one nine six. That number is significant because it's the name of Nick's new foundation, the 196 Foundation. So before we chat about running around Britain, let's start with that.
1: The the 196 Foundation is a micro trust. it's entirely non-profit and in very simple terms we ask for donations of £1.96 per month from anybody anywhere and we then put all of that money into a pot and ask the donors to vote on who we support so as you donate you get a vote and it could be any project anywhere
0: OK, so the logical way to unpick this to talk about from the donation forwards to the giving. So pound ninety-six a month, £23.52 a year or three years at £70.56. But, but you don't actually want people to give more, which is unusual for any kind of charity. So just explain why that, that whole principle to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the reason why, well, the, the number one hundred ninety-six comes from the, the number of countries in the world. Hence my previous uh, previous project of running the world one hundred ninety-six. So that's the specific nature of one pound ninety-six. Now, the reason why we're not asking for people to donate. Uh, you know, 20 quid, 30 quid here and there is because we have created this concept of uh what we're coining a, a democratic donorship, whereby everybody gives the same amount and they have the same voice. So they have the same amount of opportunity to uh to have a say in who we help. So if you if you donate every month £1 pound ninety six a month for 12 months for a year, that is 12 votes. So you get one vote for every time you donate £1.96 each month. Um and then every April we then email all of the donors and we say right so you've donated for for 12 months 12 times 12 votes uh who would you like us to help and we present three options that have been selected by our board Um, and they could be you know, somebody that needs a wheelchair next door. It could be uh, building a school in Kenya. It could be a disabled boxing gym. It could be. There's so many things. And the, the, the beauty of why I'm so proud of it is that we don't just help one cause. We help as many as we possibly can anywhere in the world. Um, and it doesn't have to be an organization or a charity. It could be an individual. It could be a family that need help. Um, but the specific nature of the 196 Foundation is to get the views of the people that are donating their money to say right who do you want to help and the person or the group of people or the organization with the most votes will then receive our help and we then deliver that project just one project per year
0: so, so what organizations are you, are you looking to get requests from i mean is it uk is it overseas is it i don't know medical social enterprises because 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 if there's only going to be three it's got to be worth it they've got to be in with a chance haven't they
1: well, yeah, and the I suppose the the answer to that question is yes, in the sense of any and all, because we there's there's 17 global goals. So as a charity, there's you know that you can help through. If you if you look up uh, seventeen global or just the the global goals, the charity global goals, it covers everything from environmentalism to poverty to hunger, um, all sorts of things. And the idea is that over the course, over the nature of the whole foundation's uh, life, is that we we help a wide range of, of of causes so for example if year one we help a homeless charity then year two we may not have a homeless charity in the three options because we may want to be able to help a different part um and we may want to help somewhere in britain but we also then want to be able to in the lifetime of the project of the of the charity be able to help every country in the world in you know obviously not in my lifetime so that's going to take 196 years hmm. <laughs> um if we're doing one project per year but the idea is that It it is so broad, but it is always controlled by the donors rather than saying, oh, yeah, we'll give, I don't know, 20, 30 quid to, let's say, Alzheimer's UK, which is obviously a very good charity. Um, But we want to be able to have control over who who we help from the donors uh, voting, but more importantly, be able to channel that money and those efforts to the right place. So I suppose the extra bit to say about this is. Me coming from a finance background, I'm really, really intent on making sure that we don't waste money. So none of, obviously, anybody that volunteers for the charity, there's no money spent within that. All of the costs of the charity are funded by ourselves. Um, We can run the charity uh, per year on about a £1,000, and that's just things like website and admin stuff. Nobody's paid. Um, But very importantly, if we, let's say, uh, everybody voted on supporting, uh, I don't know, a child that needed a wheelchair, If we knew that that wheelchair was, the cheapest we could find it was, let's say, £3,000, we wouldn't then just spend the £3,000 and go and find the wheelchair. We would approach the companies and ask for some form of deal, some form of opportunity to be able to promote their company, and ideally be able to get that wheelchair for, let's say, £500. So it's very important for us to stretch that money as far as we can. Uh, and that is what is often not done in mainstream charities because simply they are big organizations and they, you know, there's a lot of waste naturally within those processes. So I'm very keen on all of the money, all of the pounds and pence being used and spent well, hence why we don't need to ask for lots and lots of money. We'd much rather have lots and lots of people because ultimately if we we, we did the math, if we can get 1% of the British public donating in my lifetime, that's my personal goal. It's a stretch, but well, let's aim for it. Um, if we can get one percent of the british public donating then that equates to 1.3 million pounds worth of funds per month um and over the course of a year you know that equates to a lot of money and we'd be able to to do a lot of good with it um and so small projects like wheelchairs can then scale up to huge projects like building building orphanages schools educating uh, medical staff overseas it can it can grow and grow and grow
0: who's going to whittle them down to that three that people will get to vote on in august
1: so the way that we're approaching over the, in the beginning years is to use our board members so the board members that are either involved in other charities but we're also going to be reaching out to a select number of donors each year and basically saying look these are the options that we've got what what one do you want on on the on the rotor, if you like, but it ultimately has to be something that we can afford because let's say something comes into our inbox that says we'd like to help. we'd like help from the one nine six foundation and we need twenty thousand pounds to do x, y, and Z. There's no point us putting that forward for the vote if we don't have the money to do it and if we don't have the means to be able to deliver the support. so uh, if it was a very you know a specialty and we simply couldn't deliver that as part of the foundation, then we would aim to, speak to that person that created that request and ask if we can find a help elsewhere. That's the other thing about the, the charity is that, although we may not necessarily select all of them, is that they will have our support in some way or another through you know our contacts, our friends and our family members, the other donors that might be able to help. So we're going to be able to do a lot more good in the long term by by doing it that way.
0: Because I can imagine it's it's quite intimidating for someone who needs maybe if it's just £300 for a wheelchair, to think that they're going up against a clean water project somewhere that that will benefit... Um, a thousand people yeah. or a hundred people in a village and they might not apply or they might want to, I don't know, go for another, go apply somewhere else where they they think they're more likely to get a share of something rather than just, because it's quite a gamble to be one of the last three. I'm just thinking from a, per, a person who wants the money point of view, it's kind of, mm-hmm. is it worth their effort
1: applying to you is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think definitely. And we've had a lot of good applications come in. And I would say it's a all of it's happening. That's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I would say it's, it's as simple as it's a very, very simple form. And then we follow that up with a couple of questions and emails. And if we can go, you know what, well, we can't help you immediately this year, then at least the, we are aware of who may need the help and the scale. So we're going to be very, very clear on the impact um, to the spending ratio, making sure that our impact report are done very transparently and so we don't want to just be able to help Just say five thousand pounds helps a school of 200 people okay now that's brilliant however helping one person with a wheelchair doesn't just help that one person it helps their family it helps so many other bits and so we're going to be able to do a very wide-reaching impact study to see which one deserves to be on that last three, if you like. Um, and there is no right or wrong way, I don't think. It's it's gonna be a bit of trial and error over the first few years of doing it. Um, and ideally we can build a board of people that can can help us whittle them down, but we've got enough coming in that we know we'll be able to to deliver some good projects regardless. And we're experimenting with the concept that if, you know, if, if the, the, the two out of the three that don't get picked, we're hoping to be able to roll at least one of them over to the following year and therefore, maybe give it another option. So we're we're playing with it as we go. The main thing is that the 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 donors get to vote on on who we help. And
0: of course those donors also get feedback.
1: Yes, absolutely, exactly. And that's the main thing. Every every quarter we'll be sending out a newsletter explaining where we are and I'm very keen on sharing the amount of donors we have coming in, the amount of applications we have coming in, try and really be super, super transparent. And if we get to a point where we're where we're thinking, okay, well we've got these two options, you know, to put on the final three list, why don't we just email our donors and ask for their their input to see which one they'd like to see on there? Because I'd much rather do it that way and put a little bit more effort into making it clearer and more helpful for everybody than just kind of bulldoze through. So. I suppose there's a few key principles. It's, it's removing waste from from spending, being very 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 democratic, and helping a wide range of of, of causes, um, and not just charities that can afford to uh, can kind of you know have more conversations with us. It's more about uh, helping those that need it.
0: Uh, I, I I'm a trustee of a, a charity here in Scotland, so I've been to presentations by the charity commission up here, and I know they are are pretty tight. Now you mentioned it was about. You felt it was about a thousand pounds to to run a charity. I, I you might find it's more. I don't know. It, it's because there's websites, as you say, there's hosting and design, there's insurances, there's meeting, just even renting meeting rooms for trustees to meet and have these conversations. Although now, good of course, we can do it like Zoom over here. But 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 presumably the aim is to be transparent on that because we found it very helpful to to know to to be, make it clear to people who are donating it to us what exactly what was going to help us run the charity and exactly what was helping us to donate to a good cause.
1: Absolutely. And so the very simply is that all of the money donated, none of, none of that money is going towards uh, paying for the charity's upkeep or the running of it. So That is all paid for out of either my own pocket or we approach uh, independent third parties and we say, can you cover these costs for this year? Um, and I think a £1,000 wow. is... is Probably stretching it because we have very limited costs on on the website and things like meeting rooms and and actual help with getting things done like web design that's either done ourselves or it's done through contacts and friends where we don't require any any payments you've Um, got good contacts there yeah good contacts and just a lot of lovely people that you know uh, understand what we're trying to do
0: did this idea come to you when you were you know running a marathon in each of those one nine six countries
1: yeah it did in uh, in sierra leone um i think the idea came to me that i wanted to do something i then did a lot of research over the next i think it was about 6 months maybe even 18 months at the the latest period of understanding how how i could go about creating a charity because was, <clears throat> excuse me as you know there's so many so many avenues and so many legalities of if you go down this avenue if you go down this avenue and so I made sure that what we were doing we could help multiple causes and that the money could be very transparent uh, and all that sort of stuff and so I was out in Sierra Leone um, visiting a children's hospital in Freetown and I just I chatted to many many people we were filming some bits for the for the documentary and it was just so sad and desperate to see so many people excuse me something in my throat so many people that were suffering and they really didn't need that much by way of money they just needed some form of infrastructure behind them to be able to to get by um and i think i've told this story before but i chatted to one lady in particular who had two children in hospital And she couldn't afford to pay for, to understand what was wrong with them. She couldn't afford to educate them or to feed them. She couldn't afford to work because she had to look after her sick children. And it later transpired very sadly that she had actually had nine children and seven of them had sadly already died. And it was all because she couldn't afford to work out what was wrong. And these two kids were going down that same route and through lots of friends and the charity that was was supporting this foundation, this hospital out there, um, we got to the bottom of how much it would cost to get these kids well and to feed them and educate them and uh, and be able to support them for a year uh, sorry for two years for each of the children and it came to just over 80 pounds per child to be able to get these kids well and on the right track again and you know give them books and things for the school um because a lot of it's he- heavily subsidized through other charities and so i thought well what can we do where, we can we can be that help in the background rather than just you know because the answer isn't just to give give out the money and and on the way because there's lots of other people in the same situation so I wanted to do something that was going to be far-reaching diverse in who we could help and that didn't require lots of people to give lots of money I just wanted a small amount so when we're you know we're trying to save money we go through our bank statements at Christmas or whatever and think how can I you know cut out some spending I wanted that £1.96 to be the one that people keep on their on their direct debit list because it was doing so much good and actually it was costing them very little.
0: I'm frankly amazed you had time to organize this because you ran the world marathons. That's what we spoke about in podcast 38. Yeah. Uh, at the time we spoke, you had were running the length of Italy. You finished that on Christmas Eve. And then on the 17th of April, you started running around Britain, which you completed on the 22nd of August. Um, kind of a busy schedule there, Nick. <laughs> Let's just talk about a bit about that run around Britain. You ran anti-clockwise, which I think is opposite to the intuitive way. And I'm wondering why you did that.
1: Yeah, that's very true. There was a few reasons. Um We looked at the wind direction of the coast, and actually it was more or less 50-50, but if anything, it was favouring us to run clockwise. And we had initially decided to run clockwise. Then we realised that with COVID restrictions, we were potentially going to be getting to Wales before the restrictions were lifted. And so we would then have to be pausing and waiting. And so if we went anti-clockwise, we started down in Cornwall, we would be able to get to wales way after the restrictions are lifted now as it happened the restrictions were delayed um, and we actually reached wales i think it was two days after the the final restrictions were lifted so it was perfect timing and that's most of the reason why we went anti-clockwise the other reason was uh, a far more personal one which was that i have a very very good friend of mine a guy called ollie and and uh, his and our wife rebecca um who were getting married and i didn't want to miss their wedding and We were going to be, if we went the other way around, we were going to be the opposite end of the country and have to do a a horrendous drive and then have to catch up all these miles. Um, And as you've probably seen, as it happened, I had lots of injuries and we were slower than anticipated and it still ended up that I was the opposite end of the country. But we did endeavour to try and make everything as seamless as possible, but, you know, best laid plans and all.
0: But you are doing some massive miles. Some of those days you are like 46, 47 miles.
1: Yeah so we, the the original plan was to do a double marathon every day so 52.4 miles every day for 100 days and that was going to reach our our magical target of 5240 miles. Now on day 6 I'd been running double marathons along the Cornish coast and I was pretty ruined to be honest and uh I had a lot of injuries, uh, a very very painful time, and then ended up having a, a flip meniscus in my right knee and having to oh, hobble on crutches and sticks, and it was absolutely agony.
0: God, I so, missed that uh, bit. We, I must have been away. I'm so sorry. I didn't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the first. How did you four, get over that?
1: Oh, horrible injuries. Um, I had a, a really good physio guy called Tim who uh, who did the support physio for uh, Eddie Izzard actually on his missions. Which you've probably heard about and uh and he said well i know you're not going to be stopping so let's try and get you moving as quickly as possible um and i had two nights off uh, after finishing at half past one in the morning i i've got this brilliant photo of me in the in the bath which is a decent photo but i looked like i've had about 40 pints because i was absolutely ruined i was hallucinating it was absolutely hell and then he managed to. Tim managed to sort me out, and we had all sorts of um, uh, special kind of deep heat, but super strong deep heat, and then a little bit of talking about how the body moves and kind of offloading some of my weight, uh, and then off I went. And we managed to carry on with just single marathon days for a while, and then I managed to get back up to doubles, and then then for the majority of the journey, after about day day forty. I went back to doing 47, 48 miles, because after that initial injury, I had then multiple other injuries, which we don't have time to go into all of them, but the the two significant other ones were two broken bones in my right shin. Um, And that happened in Norfolk on day 33, um, through the sheer impact and my muscles pulling away from my bone and my body deteriorating. Um, And I was told through the hospital in in King's Lynn. Um, to have 6 weeks off I couldn't couldn't walk uh, and I hobbled out of the the hospital yet again with another injury and uh I I then gave it 3 nights so 4 days off uh, and then went back and I managed to then run the following 55 60 days with 48 miles every day um in a lot of pain for about a month um
0: but Did you rattle from the amount of painkillers you were taking? It
1: was- I was actually only taking paracetamol and ibuprofen, well, um, yeah. and more or less every other day. But I, I was, I was really. I I I wanted to feel the pain. I'm sure you're the same with these kind of things. I wanted to feel that I knew what was going on, rather than just you know dose myself up to the eyeballs with I don't know Mm. tramadol and do some damage.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. I wanted to know what was going on, and and slowly but surely, you know, Tim the physio really taught me a good lesson about you know the whole concept of pain being a perception, which I've obviously had experience of. But if you start to think about it more and be able to push through it the body can heal t- in tremendously quickly if you allow yourself to offload those injuries a little bit so even with just r- walking or, or running with poles um walking and running slowly with poles for the first few weeks um, very long days very exhausting but it managed to heal slowly and and we managed to to do yeah 300 350 mile weeks uh, every week all the way to the finish um, without further injuries so um, miracle, and you, really. you, you,
0: you kind of set a record doing this. In podcast 45, I, sp- I don't know if you come across Elise Downing, but I spoke to yeah. her about okay. running around Britain. That took her 10 months, uh, and she went into it. She was not a runner. Uh, and, and we spoke about how difficult knowing what the route should be, what actually is the coast, where should you, you run. Yeah. How did uh, – I know I'm keeping a bit longer than I said I would, so I'm, okay. I'm, okay. but uh, how did you decide what the coast was and, and where you should be running?
1: Yeah, very good question. So I've looked at um, all sorts of folk that have done around Britain quests, I suppose Quinton Lake is one that's kind of mapped it very detailed. Um, and we 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 kind of uh, combined all of the various efforts, because if you include all of the islands that kind of triples the distance, if you If you go up the estuaries as opposed to over bridges, if you stay right on the coast as opposed to the main roads near the coast, there's so many different versions of it. And we realised that to be sure that we were definitely doing the distance and we were definitely staying near the coast at the right times, we were going to be flexible with our route day to day. But we needed to make sure we definitely hit the 200 marathon mark, the 5,240, because most people do a route of around 4,800 to 5,000 miles. So we thought, well, to be sure, let's get the. It was just neat to do the 200 marathons um and on top of that we said we're not going to do any of the six thousand three hundred islands because obviously that's quite a long way and it includes all of the you know the outer hebrides and all that sort of stuff we'll just do the mainland Britain, uh, and we will stick as close to the coast as we can where there are paths or roads um and so Yeah, if you look at the the, the GPS data on on Strava, you see we've stayed as close as we can. Um, The majority of the time there's been areas where we were originally planning to go over a bridge Uh, rather than go around the estuary and then in real terms we needed a few more miles on that day so we'd go up the estuary instead Um, but more or less I'm actually really impressed with the team and I's effort of staying close to the coast because it was difficult to not miss roads and all that sort of stuff is obviously as you've sleep deprived as well you even not just for me but for the team as well Um,
0: sorry I was gonna ask you the highlight but was the highlight just getting to bed every day? (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, to be honest yes no the, the i think the highlight was having lovely chats with people on the on the road and and the sunny days where you can kind of take your top off and run and i always say sweating when you're cold because you've got layers on is pretty grim but sweating when you're when you're hot because of the sun and, and it's a nice warm sunny day that's that's kind of the euphoric moments but yeah we, yeah, we had a good we, summer we, in
0: scotland yeah you had a good time yeah, when you were uh, here
1: fantastic i was so lucky with the weather and and like i say we did get round in in record time i think you know we were just under four months so i'm i'm happy with that
0: let's finish with a few words about the 196 foundation i know a lot of people listen to these podcasts on on their commute but they also do it while they're working out walking dogs and especially running so if they've enjoyed your tails uh, well even if they haven't um, what would you like them to do once they get home get to a computer or get somewhere that is safe for them to take a look at the phone if they're in the car right now
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. I I guess I'd urge everybody to look at the 196foundation.com and you can look at it on on Instagram. It's just the 196foundation. Um, Just Google that, have a look at the website and see what we're all about. Um, We've got some really brilliant volunteers helping that have also connected with other great charities as well. Um, And if you can afford £1.96 a month, then please just sign up. Uh, You can cancel any time. Uh, and more importantly, if you want to get involved with what we do on a, on a closer basis, then email us. There's an email address on the website or just email me, nick at nickbutter.co.uk. I'm always open for, for emails to me. Um, and we're just looking for people to get involved and do some good. You know, everything that we do with this running, you know, my running adventurous lifestyle, if you like, is always around helping helping people and, and, and communities on the journey there's no point doing this and having having a fun life if you're not going to have some good impact in the process because it's you know i wouldn't want that so if you want to be able to help what we're doing please do either sign up to be a donor or get in touch with us but um yeah like you say 20 just under 24 pounds a year can do a huge huge Uh, make a huge impact on people all over the world and also if you can go the extra mile by telling other people about it that is how the foundation is going to grow um whether it's family members whether it's people at work whether it's people you walk the dog with or whatever um if you uh yeah if you'd like to sign up then we would be we would be really really grateful
0: and all the links are in the show notes that's fantastic nick next plans
1: lots of plans um at the moment you can talk about a few things we can talk about. I mean, we, we had Malawi and New Zealand, North to South of Malawi and North to South of New Zealand planned, as you may have seen, but we couldn't because of COVID. So maybe they'll come back when we can. Um, but as of October the 4th, we have our speaking tour around theatres uh, in Britain and some in Europe. Uh, as soon as, as soon as October comes around, we'll be starting the tour all the way to the end of the year.